Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Hey, good morning church family. Hey, you people found you a pastor. Praise God. Amen. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me. Uh, You know, even a woman at nine months gets to give birth, and we're going to be at 8.5, and so I'm, I'm excited for you. You know, I'll be with you this week. I'm with you next week, but after that, folks, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, your staff is going to provide you a phenomenal service. And then I'm going to join you the first Sunday that Pastor Adam is here because I want to hear some good preaching. And I also need a new sermon. And so I'm hoping to get both. And so I'm looking forward to uh, being able to visit with you today out of the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the place that for so many of us, when we gather with our families to celebrate Christmas, we read from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. But I'm going to move a little past the, the shepherds being in the field and Joseph and Mary having their first, this beautiful child, the Messiah. And I want to move us more to the end of chapter 2 because one of the things that you'll find when you look at this passage is how much waiting is involved in Scripture. Matter of fact, I just want to ask you a question. How good are you at waiting? I mean, does peop- do people look at you and say, man, that guy knows how to wait. He's good at that. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised You now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. I light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, as we look in your word, 
as we think about what it means to be willing to wait, when we think about the need to learn how to wait, how to be patient, how to be faithful, even when we're wondering, Lord, when is this going to end, or when will this change, or when will they make the choice? God, help our hearts understand today that in the middle of our wait, you, you're, you're right there. Show us from your word. In Jesus, your holy name, amen. I'll say it to you again. Have you thought about how much waiting is involved in the Christmas story? Think about it. Think about what we read about Zachariah and Elizabeth who were waiting and waiting and waiting for God to bless them with a child. And when they were old and advanced in years, he blesses them with John the Baptist. But they waited and they waited. Think about Mary and Joseph as they had heard that, that there was this miraculous thing that God was going to be doing with the birth of their first child, that it would be a virgin birth and that he was standing there as her husband knowing that he had never been with her and that she was an honorable woman and that God was doing something amazing there. But they had to wait. I think about Simeon, a righteous and devout man that the Bible says God has spoken to and said, Simeon, you won't die until you see the Redeemer of Israel. And I think about his life and about how he must have spent every day waking up and saying, is this the day I will see the Redeemer? Is this the day I will see the one that God is sending? Is this the year? When will it happen? And year after year after year passed, and finally he saw the one that would redeem Israel. I think about Anna, a prophetess who was old in years and patience, who had the joy of a seven-year marriage and then had spent her widowhood in the temple courts fasting and praying. And as she saw that, that child and realized there he is. There's the Messiah. I've seen him. There's a lot of waiting on the Messiah to come. The whole nation of Israel was waiting. They waited thousands of years. They had waited during all the time of Roman oppression. All they could think of is when will this be over? When will God send his Messiah and deliver us so that once again we can know the freedom of being our own nation? Waiting, waiting, and waiting. Matter of fact, if you were to go through the Old Testament, you would discover there are more than 350 prophecies about the coming Messiah, 350 prophecies whom Jesus fully fulfilled. 120 of them are found in the book of the prophet Isaiah alone. One of those, I'll read to you, Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name his name Emmanuel. God is with us. And I wonder, I wonder if I could have a private conversation with you today. I wonder if in a quiet moment we were able to talk. I wonder if some of you might not tell me of something 
or someone that you're waiting for. Waiting for a child to come back home. Waiting for a relationship to be restored. Waiting for the hope of finishing your journey on this earth so you can be with those whom you love. But you know something about waiting. You know what waiting's like. And it's hurting. And it makes you long. But you need to know that God is not silent about the reality of waiting in our lives. That all through Scripture, there's encouragements that are given about our learning to wait and being willing to wait. Matter of fact, I think about David in Psalms 27 when he said this in verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And David, of all people, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart, calls out to you and to I through the centuries and says, learn to wait. Wait on God. I think about what Isaiah said as he foresaw the Messiah. I'm going to read this particular passage in the King James Version, Isaiah 40, 28. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, God isn't silent about the reality of waiting, but he would very quickly want us to understand that the waiting that he is talking about and calling us to is not some passive, mindless activity. It is not like standing in a line, enduring the person in front of you at the checkout counter that suddenly discovered that when they bought stuff, they have to pay for it. It's an active waiting. The literal picture there is, is, is an active waiting, what we do while we wait. Matter of fact, the word picture there is like someone that is going along, and as they go, they are picking things up, they are gathering them together, and they're bundling them together and weaving them together. It's an active wait. So what do we pick up as we go through? Well, let me give you a few things to consider. One is you gather an attitude of confident and active patience. Because, see, part of what happens is you learn to wait on the Lord is your confidence in God can grow. You begin to realize there's some things he wants to tell you and talk to you about within that wait. But also, you gather together your hope by knowing his presence, by knowing his promises, and knowing his encouragements. There, there is nothing like being at that moment of struggle in which you're calling out to God and saying to him, Father, I need hope today. I need an encouragement today as I'm waiting for you. And then to stumble into the God's word and to see an encouragement, a promise that speaks directly to your heart that gives you that much more glimmer of hope to take that next step in trust. The sweetness of his fellowship, of learning, that Jesus is enough. 
You take hope and confidence and active patience and you bind it together with a resolution that you're going to focus on the direction that God is leading and you're going to stay faithful and true to what he is showing you. But how do you do that? Well, there's four things you do while you wait on God. Let me just give those to you. The first is seek and believe in God's best. Seek and believe in God's best. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so we come to God and we trust in God. And even if you're at that moment where you say, but I'm not even sure God is there. Humble yourself before the Lord. Tell him your heart. Tell him, Lord, I, I'm not sure where you are. And be still before him. And I will tell you that if you will faithfully pursue him with all your heart, just as this scripture says, he's going to be there for you. It may not be in the very moment that you're in. It may not be the first day that you pray or the second day that you pray. But you're going to find as you pursue him with passion that he will reward you. He promises that. Amen. Seek and believe in God's best. You have to do that to do number two. Stay on course. Stay on course. In Psalms 27, 11, what we read and from Psalms 27 before, David wrote this too. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. And that, that phrasing that is used there about the straight path isn't about the easy path, but it's about lead me in a path that I can clearly see straight in front of me. Let me put my feet where they need to go. Because even in the struggle, I'm going to trust that God's direction is true. And even if I don't feel it, I'm going to trust him. Even if I'm struggling, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to stay on course. The third thing is surmount your obstacles by his strength. Not your strength, his strength. What does it say in Isaiah 40, 31? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the New International Version, it says it like this. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You see, if I count on my strength, it piddles out pretty fast. <laughs> my strength will go pretty far in a short distance. Like, boom. But when I learn to wait on the Lord, I learn to put my hope in Him. Then part of what happens within that moment is I find out that He has put strength in me. I didn't even know it was there. He put strength through my life, not just for me, but for other people around me. And when I think I can't tolerate one more day of this situation, he gives me the strength to do it. I will tell you, you miss a blessing when you don't learn to wait. When you don't learn that his grace is sufficient for you. Let his strength be your strength. One more thing, though. Simply 
trust God. Simply trust in God. In the 1970s, there was a research experiment that was done at Stanford University that became kind of famous. Matter of fact, you probably have seen it online. It was called the marshmallow test. They took a group of four-year-olds and they brought them in and they would give them a series of tasks and they would say, if you'll answer this question correctly or if you will complete this task, I'm going to give you a marshmallow. And so the tester had this big bag of marshmallows and the four-year-old would complete the task, answer the question, they'd dig in, pull out a marshmallow, give it to the the four-year-old and they, boom, they'd eat it. But the real test came when there was a knock on the door. And the researcher would go to the door, put their head out, they come back and look at the four-year-old and say, now listen, I've been called away, I've got to do a quick errand, but here's what I want you to do. And they took a marshmallow out of that bag and they put it in front of them on the table. They said, if you will leave that marshmallow alone while I'm gone and not eat it, when I come back, I'll give you two. And then they'd leave. And then the real experiment began. And they're watching through the glass, watching this four-year-old. You know what they found out? It's what Thomas Paine wrote. These are the times that try men's souls. (laughs) These four-year-olds had that eternal battle between impulse and restraint, desire and control, gratification versus delay. And they developed all kinds of strategies on how to deal with the fact that they were alone in a room with a marshmallow. Now, some, their strategy was simple. Boom. Bird in hand. I don't know if they'd had experiences with adults where their promises weren't fulfilled, but they just decided, boom, I'll take it right now. Other kids, other kids left it alone. But they developed all kinds of strategies of how to deal with it. Some of the kids would put their hands underneath their their fanny and hold on, you know, so they wouldn't touch it. Others rocked back and forth. Some sang themselves songs. Some of them told themselves stories about marshmallows. One little boy took his tongue and he licked the tabletop all around that marshmallow. (laughs) hoping he could somehow pick up some marshmallowness off the table. They tracked these kids. What was interesting is the ones that were able to wait, as they grew up into adolescence and adulthood, the ones that were able to wait tended to be more socially competent. They tended to do better in school. They tended to have an ACT that was 200 points higher than the marshmallow grabbers. The grabbers, on the other hand, well, they had a little bit different kind of struggle. Very often they grew up a little bit indecisive and stubborn at the same time. Many were prone to addiction or other challenges. Not all of them, just some of them. But there's a truth to be experienced and whether or not you know how to delay what you want until it's time. And you know, I know there's some folks in here and you have prayed about some people, you have prayed about some things, you have prayed about some situations, you have prayed and prayed and prayed. And frankly, you identify with that little boy that just licked that table. 
because you would do anything just to get one taste that would say hope is coming. I want you to hear something. God is with you in your wait. God knows where you are today. He knows that. So while you are actively waiting on God, I want to ask you to remember some things. The first thing I want to ask you to do is remember this. God knows you're waiting. He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you. He knows you're waiting. The second thing is, God cares about you in the wait. He's not stopped loving you. You see, sometimes we think that if we're not getting the answer right now, if we're not getting the, the response that we need, if we're not getting what we were hoping for, that somehow that means that, that God doesn't love me. But anyone that's ever parented a child, anyone that's ever worked with people knows how much you teach them by helping them learn to wait. There's a huge value of character in the wait. And there's one other thing. God knows all about waiting. You know that. He knows all about waiting. He waited for you for eternity. You see, the Bible says in Romans 5, 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God waited for eternity for you to ask Jesus into your heart. He waits right now. For you to trust him in the middle of your wait. Where are you today? Where are you? Have you trusted him in your heart today? Have you trusted him in your wait? Let's bow our heads. As our heads are bowed, I come back to that realization that there's folks that are here today and they've been waiting. They've been waiting for a relationship to men. They've been waiting for someone they love in their life to say yes to Jesus. They've been waiting for an answer. Some are waiting for a job. Some are waiting for a particular need to be met. Some are waiting just to just asking God, I need a reminder, Lord, that you're with me and that you're here. And I pray that today, just this message is that reminder to you. So I want to pray for you. Father, Father, you know the intricacies of every heart in this room. Father, you know whether or not they have accepted your son as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray today that if they don't know Jesus, that they'll make you wait no longer. But today, they'll accept Jesus as their Savior. Father, there's some that are here and they're praying for people they love. They're praying for people that they care about. And they're asking you, God, 
to bring them to faith, to bring them to restoration, to bring them to the place where they can trust you and love you. And I pray, God, that you give them an encouragement. And even this year, they would see fruit from that prayer. But, Father, wherever they are in this moment of time, I pray you would encourage them in their weight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.